Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Friday, February 26, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for joining us. We made it to the weekend. So glad you could make it here with us. We're coming to you two hours later in my body clock because it's 5 o'clock Central Time. I'm talking to you from Arlington, Texas, the headquarters of DFW Normal, right between the D and the FW is where Arlington is, right? But you can't call it D-A-F-W because then it's DAFW, and then it just gets weird. So anyway, we're right in the middle of the DFW Metroplex where today there was big political news in the very building where we will be at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo in Fort Worth, Texas, tomorrow, discussing the need for legalization, medical marijuana, decriminalization, any sort of reform for Texas. In that very same building today, Donald Trump held a rally, and at that rally, Chris Christie, the redundantly named governor of New Jersey, endorsed Donald Trump in that very building. So all sorts of interesting things going on here in Fort Worth, and we've got all sorts of interesting things to talk about on today's show. Special guest joining us at half past the hour is defense attorney Joseph Tully. He is uh, representing the case in People versus Aaron O'Neill. This is a case where a medical cannabis grower in California growing over 200 plants being prosecuted on the eve of California likely legalizing marijuana and making moves to industrialize its medical marijuana. He asks, why does this prosecution need to go forward with someone who is clearly trying to help sick and disabled people in the state of California, where this marks the 20th anniversary of medical marijuana? We'll talk to attorney Joseph Tully coming up at half past. Also on the show today, we've got some behind the headlines to take a look at. Two stories that answer the question of the prohibitionist. What about the children? Something that we like to call Watsy here on the show. What about the children? Well, we'll ask that question. What about the children in a couple of uh, chilling cases that come from the front lines of America's drug war? Also on the show today in drug war data mining, we are going to take a look at some interesting information uh, that was revealed uh, from a congresswoman uh, from Connecticut having to do with the issue of drug testing for welfare. We've got some very interesting statistics to bring to you on the idea of welfare fraud in the government and how that relates to this issue of drug testing for welfare. And then at the end of the show, we'll have time for a radical rant where I go back to the subject we talked about earlier this week, and that is why should there be a demarcation between medical and recreational marijuana as we move forward? And would it be wise for states like Texas to just move straight to legalization and avoid 
medical marijuana altogether. We'll take a look at the pros and cons of that issue in the Radical Rant at the end of the show. But first, as we always do, we start with the Cannabis Radio News. And in the news today, we have got headlines for you from Montana, where their Supreme Court made a ruling on medical marijuana. We've got news from Alaska on their first day of license applications. Wyoming still moving to ban edibles that had been made legal through a loophole, taking away possible felonies for those edibles. Lawmaker introducing legalization in the state of Michigan. Minneapolis, Minnesota bringing its decrim law in to match its state law. And in Washington state, a new proposed rule on out-of-state financing. Things are weird here in Texas for me. I can't explain it. (laughs) We're going to take a break. We'll be back with the Cannabis Radio News right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, February 26, 2016. The Montana Supreme Court ruled Thursday that medical marijuana providers should be paid for their services, but it clamped down on commercial sales of the drug by limiting providers to no more than three patients each. The court's decision upheld other provisions of a 2011 state law that represents one of the most significant rollbacks attempted by the 23 states and Washington, D.C. that allow marijuana to be used for medical purposes. The law, meant to curb abuses that led to a flourishing marijuana industry in Montana five years ago, would 
would have banned medical pot providers from receiving any compensation. The court said the sales ban would leave some patients with debilitating illnesses with no available source for their medicine. However, the court upheld the requirement that marijuana providers can take on a maximum of three patients each. The justices also upheld provisions of the law that ban medical marijuana advertising and create an automatic review for doctors who recommend medical marijuana to more than 25 patients. State regulators report that 68 Alaska marijuana business license applications were initiated online Wednesday. The Alaska Marijuana Control Board says it's not limited in the number of licenses it can issue, and there's no deadline to apply. The board will review applications at regularly scheduled meetings year-round. Officials anticipate beginning the review process in mid-March for applications submitted this week. Local governments will have an opportunity to protest. The board plans to approve the first testing and cultivation facility licenses in June. Product manufacturing and retail store licenses will be processed next. The state anticipates the first manufacturing and retail store licenses to be approved in September. The Wyoming Legislative Committee on Thursday moved to make possession of marijuana brownies and other foods and beverages containing marijuana to be a misdemeanor. The Wyoming Senate earlier this week called for making it a felony to possess more than three ounces of food or drink containing marijuana or its active ingredients. However, the House Judiciary Committee on Thursday stripped out the felony language, leaving the bill instead with a system of increasingly stiff misdemeanor penalties for repeated convictions of of possessing food or beverages containing THC, the active compound in marijuana. The full House must still act on the bill before a conference committee could try to resolve any differences between the House and Senate versions. Wyoming has seen a spike in possession of marijuana edibles and beverages since Colorado legalized recreational marijuana use in 2014. District Judge Stephen Sharp of Cheyenne last year ruled that existing state law outlawing marijuana refers specifically to its plant form. A state lawmaker has introduced legislation to legalize recreational use of marijuana in Michigan, a move he says will free up police to, quote, focus on violent and property crimes, end quote. Introduced by State Senator Coleman A. Young II, a Democrat of Detroit, the bill is being called the Non-Medical Marijuana Code. Senate Bill 813 would regulate and tax marijuana, generating revenue for education and other public purposes. Young's measure would regulate growing facilities, dispensaries, and marijuana lounges where people could indulge in pot-infused brownies without fear of arrest. Smoking pot in public would not be allowed. Violators could be hit with a $100 fine. Under the measure, Michigan residents will be able to possess up to an ounce of marijuana and five marijuana plants. Non-residents would be limited to one-half ounce. Minneapolis voted Friday to sink its marijuana possession law to match existing state rules, reducing the crime from a misdemeanor to a petty misdemeanor. The change is expected to have, quote, no minimal or no impact, end quote, because Minneapolis police rely on the state statute when charging small-scale marijuana crimes, according to a staff report. A petty misdemeanor is technically not a crime under state law, since they are not punishable by jail time. The change passed the city council unanimously on Friday. Washington state regulators have allowed only those who've resided in Washington for six months to be owners or financiers in the state's legal pot industry. But a proposed rule change before the Liquor and Cannabis Board would drop the residency requirement for financiers, though they'd have to undergo criminal background checks, could only loan money to business owners, and couldn't own any stakes in the Washington companies. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, February 26, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce 10 times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in our Cannabis Focus, I want to ask the question, what about the children? It's something our opponents ask all the time when we propose legalizing medical marijuana or recreational marijuana. What about the children? And I always like to turn this back on on our opponents and ask, what about the children under prohibition? What about those children? And there's two stories that kind of caught my eye. And this uh, first story comes to us from Detroit, Michigan. Actually, Redford Township. Now, Detroit is a majority black city. Redford Township is one of those white suburbs of Detroit where WJBK reports, this is a Fox station in Detroit, that a six-year-old boy was kicked off his basketball team after the Athletic Association found his father's marijuana smell inappropriate. Yes, Deshaun is the little boy's name. Six-year-old. Uh, kicked off the Redford Township Junior Athletic Association Thunder basketball team. He's kicked off the basketball team. And according to the story, uh, the father came to the game, came to a game, and he smelled like pot, and he was asked to leave, and he left. But then weeks later, he came back to the gym smelling like pot, and he was asked to leave. And then he had a verbal argument with a school official who asked him to leave, and she says she he, she was assaulted. The grandfather dismisses this and says there's no truth to that the grandson uh, the six-year-old was allowed to play in two more games before the athletic association removed him from the team 
The Athletic Association tells Fox 2 that, quote, the dismissal of the family from our basketball program was a direct result of actions and threats made by the student athlete's father. This, this is a six-year-old, mind you, student athlete. Uh, this incident fell under restrictions stated in our code of conduct. Unfortunately, we were unable to retain the student athlete. This was a decision that was not taken lightly and was only made final after several attempts were made to resolve the situation with the parents, end quote. Now, okay, whether there's it's kind of a bare bones story, whether or not the the father overreacted, got, you know, verbally abusive or whatever, I can't speak to. But what drove him to that point was being asked to leave because he smelled like pot. Now, the clincher in this case is that he's a medical marijuana patient in the state of Michigan. He's got every reason to smell like pot. It's his medicine. So are we to say here that someone who's a medical marijuana patient can't watch their child and, and, and be there for those events? So that, well, he just doesn't have to smell like pot, have a brownie or yeah. Well, screw you telling somebody how they have to medicate and how they have to take care of themselves. Uh, for a lot of people, smoking is the best option for them. It, it's the one that works the best for them and leaves them. In, and if, if this was a, a case of a smell being overwhelming and offending people, then I hope the same standard is spent for the guys with the axe brought body spray and the women that are douched in perfume that you might find at what, uh, as parents at one of these six-year-old basketball games. And And for me, it's like... Okay, even if that's the case, even if it's the marijuana, and even if that's just so offensive that people have a moral bigotry against it, kick the dad out. What, what are you doing kicking the six-year-old kid out because his dad smells like weed? What about the children? What happens when this kid who liked basketball and was making friends uh, can no longer do that because daddy smells like pot? And what does that do to the kid's self-esteem and, and, and his worldview? And the other story that caught my eye this one uh, coming to us from the New York Post. Second grader spills the beans on mom's boyfriend's pot farm. Now, we've heard these stories before, but this is White River Junction, Vermont. The second grader uh, said to the detective that, um, that he helped his mother's boyfriend grow, quote, special medicine that can cure anything at all, end quote. So the eight-year-old is just talking about the medical marijuana garden. And the boy told her people came to the Windsor house frequently. Uh, 54-year-old Stephen Mann pleaded not guilty this week in a White River Junction court to felony count of cultivating more than 25 marijuana plants. They found two grow rooms next to the child's bedroom. Oh, no. Oh, no. There were house plants next to a child. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Uh, This is just part of what really offends me about having to tell these stories is the implicit bias of the media writing them that there's somehow this terrible danger that these kids were under from being next to houseplants. No, the danger, if any, that they were under is the fact that prohibition would make those houseplants worth enough to steal, worth someone to break in on. But by that measure, people can't have diamonds. People can't have art. People can't have anything that's worth stealing for someone. And again, Vermont is a state that has a very restricted but has a medical marijuana program. 
No evidence that this story has anything to do with medical marijuana in this case. But what it does have to do with is, once again, teaching a child that if he's honest, if he tells the truth to authority figures, it breaks up his family. It sends people to jail and leaves this kid with a sense of guilt that what he did to hurt mom's friend and possible, you know, uh, future relationship that might have been now the economic problem of having to go to court and defend themselves. MFR, I want more iced tea. And that's just. That's just the sad part about this. What about the children? Well, what about all the children whose lives are upended by prohibition? What about the children who are sick, like Texas's own Alexis Bortel, who have to flee off to Colorado just to live, have to leave behind their families and their grandparents and their friends at school? Indeed, what about the children? Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today, as we go into the drug war data mines, I'm checking out a story that I found on Think Progress. And originally, it was going to be the subject of a rant because it uh, emphasized a point that people make in these uh, discussions of drug testing that really offends me. Uh this has to do with the states, uh, many of them out there, Wisconsin, that's currently fighting this in court, about forcing people to take drug tests to be able to enroll in food stamps, which is known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP. In fact, we should just call it SNAP, 
because in fact i think uh, uh, from a framing point of view we ought to call it snap cards that ought to be the the terminology snap cards because people use the term food stamps and they think of it as the old school paper stamps that my mom had to use when i was a kid you know the paper stamps that you ripped out of a kind of a a booklet and and people associate that with being able to trade those and sell those for other things and so forth that doesn't exist anymore. They're, they're snap cards. They're like an ATM card. You can only use it at the grocery store and only for the stuff that can go on that card. And I think that framing would help to reduce this thought that there's a lot of fraud in welfare when there really isn't. But as this was going through, this, uh, they're fighting this in court with, in Wisconsin about uh, having states initiate drug testing for these welfare programs. And so this representative, Rosa DeLauro, she's a Democrat from Connecticut, in a subcommittee hearing asked, why would we limit drug testing to just the people in the SNAP program, you know, receiving food benefits, and not anybody else subsidized through the Department of Agriculture, like the farmers who get federal crop insurance and other federal subsidies? She said, quote, If we're going to look at drug testing for SNAP, we should take the entire Department of Agriculture and all those programs that provide federal subsidy to folks, and they ought to be drug tested as well, end quote. And this is a response we get sometimes from Democrats, from people on the left, that's like, oh, well, if you're going to drug test the the people, why don't we drug test the legislators? Oh, well, if you're going to drug test this guy, as if more drug testing is the solution to this oppression. No, the, the solution to your oppression is to not oppress more people. To make it equal for everyone. (laughs) No, we need to roll back this drug testing. So I had this big disagreement on that initial part of this this article I'm reading. But then it got to some interesting data that I thought was worth mentioning because we continue to see these attacks on poor people in the name of fighting the war on drugs, that, oh, well, they shouldn't spend their welfare money on drugs. Well, the fact is that most people on welfare don't spend their money on drugs. (laughs) And the drug testing you do is disqualifying more likely the people who would spend it on marijuana. And if they're going to spend it on anything drug-wise, marijuana might be the one you'd want them to be spending it on compared to alcohol or crack or whatever. But some interesting statistics uh, jump up, and that is, that this SNAP program, the food benefits program, is very efficient. You know, a lot of the the claim is that, oh, there's going to be fraud, there's going to be overpayment, but the food stamp overpayment rate is 2.61%. So they overpay by 2.61%. This is the, uh, what is it, Congressional Bureau Center on budget and policy priorities. Snap error rates at all-time lows from 2014. All-time lows in the error rate in the, you know, fraud or overpayment down to 2.61% lowest it's ever been. So it's not a partisan thing, that's, you know, Center for Budget and Policy. The difference between it and the crop insurance payment program that goes to farmers and goes to big agribusiness is 5.23%. That's their overpayment rate. So, I mean, the point about we should drug test the farmers and the agribusiness guys that are getting subsidies, I don't think that's the solution. I don't advocate more drug testing. But the point that they're the ones that are 
causing the overpayments. They're the ones that are causing a much larger share of the waste of Department of Agriculture dollars is a very important point. And this drug testing for welfare, as we pointed out numerous times on the show, is not only inefficient. People on welfare do drugs at a rate usually less than the general population because shock and surprise, drugs cost money. (laughs) They actually cost money. Over the last two years, the states that have tried this drug testing for welfare have spent $2 million between them all and turned up 321 positive tests. So the money they've spent trying to catch people is far more than the money they would have spent if they would have just given these alleged druggies their benefits in the first place. But don't expect math, science, reason, logic, compassion to have any bearing on this debate for some of these people. Some of it's just bigotry against the poor times bigotry against drug users, and they're looking for a way to punish them. This is a moral issue to them. This is a manner of if the government gives you welfare, gives you help, gives you assistance, we're approving of you, we're approving of your lifestyle, and therefore we need to not approve of it. We need to not give you money, not give you these benefits, which is an ironic argument coming from the people who are oftentimes claiming to be those who stand for freedom, freedom in the American way. Well, guess what? Uh, Freedom applies to making bad decisions, too. At what point does the government giving someone a benefit change from gently prodding them to a better lifestyle to enslaving them to a certain lifestyle? Interesting comments, interesting questions. We'll talk about those in an hour, too. Stay tuned. Coming up next, we've got our special guest joining us, Attorney Joseph Tully, representing Aaron O'Neill and the People versus Aaron O'Neill Medical Marijuana grow prosecution going on right now in california stay tuned we're back after this this is the russ belleville show on cannabisradio.com don't want to spend money on a night out but don't know what to do other than watching tv or playing video games consider playing guitar bass banjo or mandolin instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense stop by the fingerboard extension downtown corvallis at 120 northwest second street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com tokers there's no good reason to get your dog stoned while it might not harm them physically imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day And then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high too. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. 
Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing cannabis radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. marijuana law reform movement, the cannabis community is represented by thousands of dedicated defense attorneys fighting to end prohibition and keep us free. The Russ Belleville Show visits with the tireless courtroom crusaders in our legalization, law, and order. Welcome back, everybody. It's just about 31 after the hour, and for our legalization law and order today, we're speaking with attorney Joseph Tully, who is representing Aaron O'Neill in the People versus Aaron O'Neill case down in California. Joseph, welcome to the show. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me on. Glad to have you here. I received an email from uh, an advocate who was trying to inform me about this case, which... I think it's a surprise to a lot of people when we say, yes, this is a medical marijuana grower in California who's being prosecuted. Give our listeners the the basic executive summary of what's going on in this case. Um, well, my client is uh, well known uh, for being an expert in growing high CBD strains of medical marijuana. Um, he, uh, because he's such a big advocate, he's he's cured people, he's helped people. He cashed in his 401k and brought, uh, bought uh, property and planted about 270 uh, high CBD uh, strains of, uh, of, of cannabis plants. Um, there was uh, a report of a deer shooting on the property and, uh, you know, Fish and Game became involved and then Fish and Game said uh, to the sheriff, reported him to the sheriff's department because of all the plants and then a raid was conducted. Uh, he was arrested um, his wife might have been arrested in, in the raid initially, um, and I think they the CPS came to uh, you know take his kids away as well. So there's all there's always a lot of issues. They don't ever they they try to make it as difficult as possible on people. Which which county are we talking about here? We're talking about El Dorado County, which is between like Sacramento and the Tahoe area. Right. Okay. So uh, kind of northeastern California. Yes, sir. All right. And so this isn't federal. This isn't DEA going in and getting upset about these CBD plants. This is county sheriffs, and is this and this is going to state court now, right? Yes, we're in state court. We're in the middle of jury trial right now. My goodness. Now. Uh, no, it, it, there's really no distinction in the California law that helps as far as these being CBD plants that really aren't destined for the recreational market, correct? Um, correct. Yeah, marijuana is marijuana. So um, there is kind of a, a old wives' tale or urban myth kind of going around that if your plants are high in CBD or low enough in THC that it doesn't qualify as marijuana, but that, that's simply not true. Um, anything with the genetics of a cannabis plant is considered marijuana, and they will charge you for it. So there have been uh, numerous bills that have been signed that make up the medical marijuana regulations, uh, the new regulations for California. Is this due to these new regulations that this prosecution is possible, or is this something that's always been possible under California law? 
This is something that has always been possible under California law and is still possible despite Proposition 215 uh, being passed and despite uh, California Senate Bill 420 being passed. Is it just the sheer number of plants in the allegation? Um, not necessarily. I mean, normally speaking, the the federal government will leave you alone if it's under, you know, so many thousands of plants. It would be like a uh, the lead homicide detective won't, uh, you know, give out a parking ticket. You know, it's kind of beneath them. So the feds kind of leave you alone. I think the amount of plants is something... But um, I think there's there's politics involved, and in this particular case, um, I believe it's it's the personality of the prosecuting attorney and the um, the particular political sentiment of that county. Mm, okay, so uh, El Dorado County being one of those counties that say in uh, in 2010 wasn't on the uh, side of uh, passing that Prop 19, for example. That that's correct. Yes. So uh, let's talk about this, uh, this, this prosecuting attorney, and has he made statements in the press in the past, or has he been known to just be you know, really anti-marijuana and gone after it this way before? Yes, he, he is anti-marijuana. So, for instance, um, he, he, on the books, it's, it was clear you know, when 215 passed uh, in 1996 that uh, concentrated cannabis is a form of cannabis, and as long as the amount of, of you know, cannabis that you have on you is reasonably related to your medical conditions, you're fine. Well, this prosecutor, and, and on the jury instructions, it reflected that, and in case law, it, re- it reflected that. So concentrated cannabis wasn't treated any differently than marijuana. Um, but this prosecutor got it in his mind that... Um, he was going to make concentrated cannabis illegal. And he talked two county judges judges into this, and there was a, a gentleman by the name of Mulcrady, and it's a published case. Um, they uh, would not let him argue the Compassionate Use Act defense because he said, well, this is concentrated cannabis, so it's not covered by the law. And, you know, his attorney said, you know, it was. And they wouldn't let him argue that it, that it was covered, and therefore he was convicted. It went up on appeal. The attorney general's office, who covers appeals for the for the prosecution side, they didn't oppose the defense. So the defense said, "Hey, listen, you know these these guys are ignoring the law. It needs to go back to court with with the proper um, admonitions uh, that they need to follow the law." The attorney general's office didn't even oppose it. They said, basically, you know, we agree with you guys that uh, concentrated cannabis is covered, but. Had it not been for the appellate court or for the hardworking appellate attorneys, this prosecutor and, and as far as I'm concerned, two superior court judges would have been uh, involved in uh, conspiracy to falsely imprison somebody. So, so there was no. Uh, he, he's been first of all, he's been stopped from this uh, from doing this. Now he's not doing it any any further after this uh, if, after this decision. Well, yeah, he 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 got uh, slapped down on that decision, but. In, in my current case, um, my client happened to be on probation uh, for something totally different. And he just wrote this motion kind of off the top of his head. I have very young lawyers here, and they read it, and they were laughing at how ignorant he was of the law and just how basically how stupid his motions were. And he said basically in his motion, Judge, um, you know, Mr. O'Neill was on probation at the time or 
uh, of this arrest. Therefore, the Compassionate Use Act um, and Prop uh, or Senate Bill 420 defenses should not apply to him. And I had to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight, even though there's a law clearly on the books that the DA didn't let the judge know about, which is unethical. Um, and the, I mean, the DA should have known what he was arguing was was not lawful. But the, the judges clearly, for whatever reason, um, are willing to go along with him. And like I said, I had to fight and fight and fight. And had I not fought and won, um, we would have been looking at an automatic conviction because we're not disputing that there was marijuana. It's just uh, our, our defense is that it's covered by the Compassionate Use Act. Hmm. We're speaking with attorney Joseph Tully, who's uh, representing Aaron O'Neill in a state case of uh, growing hundreds of CBD heavy medical marijuana plants in El Dorado County, California. And uh, what are the stakes in this trial? What if convicted? What could happen? I mean, he's he's technically facing three years of prison, Hmm. which, you know, he's a family man. Um, You know, his goals are always to help people. He's a medical marijuana activist. And uh, I don't I don't want that to happen. How can people if if they want to help out, is there anything they can do as far as court support or uh, donations in any way? Um, I'm sure if, if people wanted uh, to, to contribute to his legal costs, he he would uh, accept it. Um, you know, he's just a good family man. He's an activist. He doesn't have a lot of money. Um uh, I, I'm not uh, making this, this trial about money, this, this trial. He's standing up for his principles, and I'm, uh, I'm supporting him in that regard. So, you know, court support, you have to be really, really cautious of. A lot of times people are very vocal. If people do want to do court support in this case or any other case, um, I just would highly recommend, you know, dressing up as if you were going to a job interview. When you're in court, it's poker face. And um, you let the, um, you know, the, the respectfulness of your presence be, be the lobby issue rather than be vocal in court and yell or mutter or, uh, you know, try to voice any opinions. Um, that's actually can be distracting. And, and I've had situations where jurors that I, that I thought were on my side of kind of went, were turned off by court support, you know, just certain individuals and, and kind of uh, gone, gone sideways on me. Yeah, that's that's a really good point to be made there that uh, we want to make sure that the support is helpful sort of support. And uh, this is just got to be frustrating to you. But uh, on one side, because, you know, California is looking at potential marijuana legalization for 2016, much less the medical marijuana that's been legal since, uh, you know, for almost 20 years now, that it's about CBD plants that aren't even designed for the recreational market. But uh, another thing that I I wanted to bring up is the fact that you're actually taking this to trial because so many people, I I think the stats like 95, 96% of these cases just get pled out. Uh, Give us your thoughts behind that. Is this a, you know, a moral stand that uh, the defendant's taking? I, I think so. Um, you know, I've, I've actually, you know, for whatever reason, um, I've, I've had very good luck in, uh, you know, cannabis-related cases, and I've never lost a jury trial. And I think this is about my seventh or eighth um, consecutive jury trial on, uh, on marijuana cases. But, yeah, a lot of people are scared to go to trial. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, when, when they're looking at a plea bargain – um, they they cave in, or a lot of times uh, 
attorneys are are afraid to go to trial. There's a lot at stake. There's a lot of hard work. It's not. This is not um, easy by any means. I I get raked over the coals daily by the judge. Um, where, you know, I, I'm pretty aware of what my duties are and and what I'm supposed to do in court and what's a legal objection and what isn't. And uh, you know, it's trial is very tough on defense attorneys. I'll, I'll tell you that. Hmm. Well, we're glad that you're out there doing that. Joseph Tully representing the case. Uh, Aaron O'Neill is the case. It's in El Dorado County. If you want to learn more, get your Google skills going. Look up these uh, trials and, and learn more and tell people about them. Because I, I think people would be shocked to know that you know somebody growing CBD plants in California would be facing state trial. Not federal trial, but state trial. And uh, hey, Joseph, thank you for being on our show and for everything you're doing uh, for the cannabis community. And uh, here's hoping that you're winning streak continues yes sir thank you very much for having me and I, I salute your good work as well oh thank you so much very much appreciated all right folks stay tuned we'll have time for a radical ramp but before we go a couple of quick news bits cannabis cup in uh, denver colorado is being moved not just from denver to pueblo but from 420 to 422 that's uh, courtesy of krdo radio And here at Cannabis Radio, we're happy to announce the Tommy Chong podcast is launching on March 2nd. Tommy and his son, Paris Chong, bringing their podcasting talents to this network where uh, my level of fame on the network just decreased exponentially (laughs) as if I had any. Hey, we're back with the rant right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. It's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana 
pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Well, I'm coming to you live from Texas today, Arlington, Texas, right between the D and the FW. And I'm thinking a lot about how Texas moves forward on marijuana legalization and other reforms. And there's a, there's been a bunch of stories that have come out of Texas recently that give me some insight. And I, and I believe that if Texas were an initiative state, this could be done in a, in a couple of years, really. Uh, the problem is you got to go through the political arena here in this state. You got to go through the legislature and the politicians are so, so far behind the people on this issue. Uh, the first story I would think of would be the story of uh, Alexis, Team Alexis. Uh, she's the little nine-year-old girl who uh, is using medical marijuana, and she had to flee Texas to go to Colorado because she found that this, her parents found, I should say, that this uh, worked for her and gave her great relief and, and, and a life to look forward to. And so those parents have to make that decision. Do we leave Texas, do we leave our home, the people we love, the climate we love, the maybe the politics we love, who knows? But do we leave all that, everything we've known, our jobs and families and roots, and we move to Colorado so our daughter can have a life? Well, of course you move, but that doesn't mean you want to, and it doesn't mean you forget about the other people who maybe don't have the means, the ability to be able to move. So I think about that story, and I think about how much play that's getting here in Texas, and people are learning more about that, how Alexis is going to be a speaker at this Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo that's taking place the next couple of days. And uh, uh, Sean McAllister from DFW Normal is going to be the MC both days as well. And I'm sure you know, we'll get a lot of information out to the attendees as they go through the different panels and different speakers. But for a nine-year-old girl to want to you know, stand up they had a major conference, and they're expecting you know six thousand people here, and to be able to stand up on stage and, and make a plaintiff call for her medicine to be legal in her state, she'd go back to the school she used to go back to go to and see all her school friends that she's had to leave behind since she's moved to Colorado. I think that's going to be incredibly moving and touching, and, and we'll really get to Texans' sense of family. This is a kind of a place where people are very family oriented. And there's also kind of a, you know, the old uh, anti-littering slogan, don't mess with Texas, right? There's a, there's a, a libertarian streak. There's an independent streak, uh, a, a rejection of federal authority and such that I think could be played on. And especially in a situation where you're talking medical cannabis for a little girl, I think that's the kind of thing you could play on here. And if it were an initiative state, bam, 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 you'd have, you know, a medical marijuana law where this girl could stay at home. And I also, um, the story that came to me recently about Ann Lee's organization, Republicans Against Marijuana Prohibition, RAMP, at RAMP GOP, and how her organization was turned away from the Texas Republican Party's uh, convention. A Republican organization, Ramp GOP. And, and there's all sorts of Republican organizations that are on the fringes 
of Republican ideology that have always at least gotten some respect as far as we'll welcome your views, even if we disagree with them. The first one that comes to mind would be log cabin Republicans, right? The gay Republican group. And I, you know, I didn't have the time to research this to to check out, you know, how do the log cabin Republicans, do they have a booth at the, uh, at the Texas thing? You know, uh, I was reading some story that mentioned how both sides of the immigration debate got to have booths at the Texas GOP convention, but they're going to dismiss the Texas ramp GOP, the Republicans against marijuana prohibition. Now, Mrs. Ann Lee, 85 year old salt of the earth. Republican, conservative, Christian, pro-life Texas woman would be so at, you know, such the perfect person to be at such a Republican convention. And then like the other people working in the group, all diehard conservatives for whom they've just recognized that the war on marijuana violates all conservative principles. At least if you're not just given that lip service, if you really meant that stuff about small government, efficient government personal responsibility, individual liberty, states' rights. If you really believe that stuff, (laughs) then you'd have to at least entertain listening to Ramp GOP. But no, I'm going to ban them. We can't even bear to bring it up. And this is where you start to recognize that the drug war has a, a sense of religion to it. There's a religious aspect to prohibition. You know, it's born a lot from religion and racism in certain ways, but but the drug war itself maintains a sort of magical thinking that is normally reserved for religion and a refusal to question that authority, to, to question that dogma, that to be antithetical to the belief system, you know, blasphemy, heresy, apostate. You know, that those kind of concepts you'd get from religion are leveled toward people like Ann Lee and Ramp GOP that would dare to question the orthodoxy of we hate drugs, we're anti-drug. And it's it's interesting to me to see these kinds of things happening where we can't even talk about it. And, and the way that we react to cannabis, and not just in Texas, but around the country, even in some of the legal states is kind of weird. Like uh, Washington state's going through a thing here where they're trying to figure out how to label their marijuana edibles to protect children. We want to make sure kids would know that that marijuana edible, that that edible product that looks like candy, that that's something that's got marijuana in it. And that's not for kids. If only we could come up with some way, it can't be a word because you know, it has to be a kid, even a small kid, you know, symbol, right? It has to be something, even a kid that can't read yet, would know represents marijuana and something a foreigner even would know that's the symbol for marijuana, something iconic, you know, like a logo, like a, a simple one color logo that would represent something has marijuana in it. I know the pot leaf, right? Duh. Right? No, no. Washington freaked out about that. Can't have the pot leaf on stuff. It might encourage kids to try it because it's got marijuana in it. (laughs) Wait a minute, we're supposed to be finding something that tells them there's marijuana in it. What could be better than the symbol that everyone knows stands for marijuana? Nope, can't have that. Then there was another proposal that we, we're gonna, I can't remember if it was Washington State or somewhere else, but we can't have the Green Cross because in Europe, Green Crosses stand for pharmacies, and we wouldn't want our European visitors walking into a dispensary and thinking it's a pharmacy. Hell, most of the European dis- 
Europeans would walk into the dispensary and be happy to see it. And then the latest, the dumbest move I've heard is to take, is to resurrect. Do you remember Mr. Yuck? Mr. Yuck is mean. Mr. Yuck is green. People my age, I'm four dozen years old. People uh, in that era, you'll recognize that. That was the, the ad campaign behind this little sticker. And it was for poison control. And it was this green, frowny face making a yuck with sticking his tongue out little symbol. The idea is we put Mr. Yuck on, because the skull and crossbones, you see, that's what we used to do for poisonous stuff, put the skull and crossbones on it, but too many kids were associating with skull and crossbones with pirates. True story. This is why this came up, right? They were associating skull and crossbones with pirates, so we had to get rid of that and go with Mr. Yuck, this green sticker that said this is poison. We put that on the Drano, we put that on the laundry soap and all the stuff you don't want kids to get into. Mr. Yuck is mean. Mr. Yuck is green. Don't eat things with Mr. Yuck in them. So it is the stupidest idea to put that on marijuana edibles because what happens when the kid sees the parent eat the edible that's got the Mr. Yuck on it? <laughs> they start to recognize, oh, Mr. Yuck is for fun adult stuff, especially if those adults start getting the giggles and having a good time on edibles, right? And then they're going to say, oh, well, the Mr. Yuck thing is something adults can eat, so I can try the Drano, I can try the laundry soap, whatever the hell. And it's just getting to a point where this fear of the symbol, we can't even talk about it. We can't talk about it at the conservative conventions. We can't display it at the Philadelphia Flower Show. That was another story I got to cover this week. The Philadelphia Flower Show, Philadelphia Horticultural Society has this annual show, huge East Coast, everything you want to know about flowers, right? And they got every flower you want to see. Well, Philly Normal and Green Rush uh, Advisors teamed up and they were going to put this booth together. Now, not to show actual cannabis flowers because, duh, it's Pennsylvania, one of, the, one of the notorious nine that still have absolute prohibition. No, there's not going to be any cannabis flowers. Just pictures. We're just going to have pictures of cannabis. We're just going to show you what it looks like <laughs> in an informational booth. Well, Horticulture Society lost its mind because there got to be some promotion of this event to talk about decriminalization and how Philly or, Philadelphia or uh, Pennsylvania needed to move forward on medical marijuana and so forth. The flower people didn't want it to all become a political thing, and so they canceled their booth. And they, couldn't dis- they couldn't even display pictures of cannabis. Now, I think that's an excuse. <laughs> I think they'd have found a way to shut them down otherwise, but the activists gave them kind of an easy out by adding the political element. You know, Keep it to just, we're going to talk about cannabis as a flower, what this flower does, and I think they could have at least made it harder to deny that. But the kicker on that story is that the Philadelphia Flower Show has no problem with displaying live poppies and live salvia. Plenty of poppies and salvia for you if you want to check those out. But uh, <laughs> no, not the uh, not the uh, uh, the cannabis pictures. We can't even show pictures of cannabis. So I think what these stories all kind of interweave in between them is how we're winning because there's this fear of even talking about it, of even even bringing the subject up, this religious fear of it, because if anybody starts seriously questioning the dogma, it's all over. Prohibition is all over once anybody starts seriously questioning what the hell's going on in trying to ban a flower. 
All right, folks, that's all the time we got for Hour 1. Stay tuned. Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio is up next. We'll take your calls at 971-533-7111. We'll also be watching the chat room for our discussions. We've got plenty more to talk about here in Arlington, Texas. We're live. Also, considering doing a meetup on Monday night, maybe a dinner for Texas-related fans, if you're here in the Texas area, maybe we'll have dinner. For everyone here at DFW Normal Headquarters and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tell. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. And is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Tokers and Tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It's Thursday. We're at Rolla J Studios. It's the 4 o'clock hour. we got a very special guest joining us here in the studio. It's Ganja John, everybody. What's up, everybody? How, how's it going, Russ? It's going well, Ganja John. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too, man. This is the first time we've even seen each other in a long time. Other than, like, bumping, I think 2013 we bumped into each other at an event. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, maybe something 2014, like something like that. For folks that don't know, Ganja John was uh, one of the first interviews I did of a patient here in the state of Oregon. I might have been your first in-studio interview. You might have been, yeah. and you were just a wee lad. Yeah, that You're, was seven years ago now. Yeah, he was a wee lad suffering from Reno Colombo. <laughs> That's a great detection. Which, you know, name, since then they've changed the name. Oh, they have? Yeah, it used to be Reno Coloboma, now it's... Uh, 
Fuck, I don't remember. Pap- <laughs> renal disease or something, something like that. that. Yeah. But we interviewed uh, – I met John at the uh, Cannabis Cafe, and he was a young man who'd been suffering with uh, kidney failure all his life, living on dialysis, fucked up eye. I mean <laughs> – I lost my eye while, we were, while I was on your show. That's right. That's that was right. was just a couple months in, and then I took like a month off, lost my eye. Yeah. You know, I still haven't replaced it. You're supposed to replace it every five years. I haven't done it yet. The, 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 the glass one? The actual glass one, yeah. Yeah, I haven't done it. What happens if you don't replace it? Is it get? I don't know. It's got kind of. It actually has a scratch on it right now. I I don't notice it. I don't see that good. So, <laughs> what, what difference <laughs> yeah. does it make? Yeah, right. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, so so John ended up, you know, having just this perfect talent for radio, and we got him on the air, and has been on the show for a long time, and uh, then. We moved on into the world of Dabbage, which I think a lot of people know you from. And I wanted to tell yeah. folks this, is that uh, I was in Seattle last weekend for the Canacon, and I was taking Uber every day. Oh, yeah. And one morning, my Uber driver is a 62-year-old white dude taking me in. He's, uh, he's obviously one of those dudes that was cool back in the day yeah. and wants to be cool again right. now that it's legal. right? Mm-hmm. So he finds out I'm doing Canacon. And he's like, oh, my, oh, you can't have gone. I've been taking a lot of people there. Uh, and we're just yakking, yakking, yakking. He goes, say, do you know Ganja John? And I went, dude, I created Ganja John. <laughs> he's like, oh, I've always wanted to meet him. And it turned out he was like a comedy nerd. Uh-huh. And he'd picked you up through Posehn's right, thing. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so it was, it was a trip. I'm like, here I am in Seattle. Yeah, be- people ask about Ganja John. Kind of like because of Posehn, I'm a little famous in Seattle. That special was filmed in Seattle. Oh, okay. So a lot of people in Seattle have seen it. And yeah. a, lot of pe- a lot of my friends were there. I wasn't there. I wanted to be there. But uh but yeah, and and because of you and going to High Times Cups, I'm a little famous in San Francisco. So I have uh, I got West pole. Coast cred. I got West Coast pull. <laughs> hey, what's the name of that Posein special? If people or chatters are looking for it, the Fartist. The Fartist. If you find the Fartist by Brian Posein, Netflix. Yeah. P O S E H N. And yeah, it's on Netflix. And there's a great uh, Ganja John bit in there. But uh, you were getting into the concentrates, and of course. If you don't know, folks, Ganja John was the first High Times concentrate concentrate winner back when they could have cannabis cups in Seattle. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, I took my first dab at the first cannabis cup that you and I went to while I was still on dialysis. I took an extra day off of dialysis, which was rough. But that was the first time I ever took a dab. And uh, after that, I, you know, asked people, how the hell do you make this? <laughs> was that San Francisco 2011? That I'm was thinking? San Francisco 2011. Yeah. It was 2011 or 2010. I can't remember. 20, the first it San the Francisco first Cup, yeah. It was 2011, yeah. Maybe it was 10. Maybe it was 10. I feel like it was 10. I don't know. Yeah, I think those you're all, right. Those all kind of meld together, you know? <laughs> yeah. And the dabs have something to do with that. We're going to take yeah. a, a little break here. When we come back, we'll talk more about extract connoisseur ganja john here who knows more about it than any of you listening and uh, <laughs> and uh we'll take your calls too uh 971-533-7111 and watching on the chat room so if you got a question for ganja john anything about dabs extracts or whatever we're here for you stay tuned we'll be right back after this this is the russ belleville show on cannabisradio.com New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. 
Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Maui Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. We are live on Cannabis Radio. Got all sorts of folks in the chat room saying hi to John Thomas, Tony Archer, and Big Daddy Fink. That's right, Big Daddy Fink in the chat room. John Chambers. I miss all these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Having a lot of fun. You know, uh, 420 Radio now is an all-music network. Yeah, I saw that. Cannabis Radio is all talk, so you got a little bit of both. And we're starting to get a question in. Oh, yeah? we got a chat question. Mm. Question for Ganja John from John Chambers. With the rise of rosin tech, do you think solvent extracts with potentially dangerous or very expensive equipment will go away eventually? I'm sorry. I quit listening to rosin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. That press stuff. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's cute and all. But uh, no, it won't. Um, The reason being rosin can't be done in a production style. Um, I have some friends who have ideas about doing rosin in a production style, but you have to include a solvent, which is generally alcohol. Um, When I'm making oil, you know, we have this Terminator Kush coming out. I made 250 grams in one run. Um, That's going to be difficult to do with rosin. And because of the way that rosin's made, there's so much... There's so much time and energy that goes into it. Um, the prices right now in dispensaries are sixty, eighty, a hundred dollars a gram, hmm. um, and I mean that's because you're making two, three grams at a time. I think for personal stuff, for people who are living in Iowa or Idaho, you know, um, 
doing doing a rosin press is just about the best way you can get a dab. Like, I need a dab. Let's do it yeah. right now. You know, um, I've experimented with it a lot. It's really not my bag. It's one of those things where, you know, you have to. You can do flower rosin. Flower rosin's all right. Usually comes out looking really pretty. But most of the stuff that I I've liked was bubble hash that was turned into rosin or dry sift that was turned into rosin. So you're talking about multiple processes, mm. you know. Um, so I I think butane solvent uh, extraction, um, propane, all that stuff is never going to go away. It's kind of ingrained in people. And even if it does. Um, I'll do it in a basement, so I'll move to Biloxi. I don't give a shit. Is it just like, the efficiency of it? It's not only the efficiency. It's the like, it's the terpene retention. Um, rosin's real finicky. If you do it too hot, it'll taste like popcorn, like vaped weed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's all about preference. There's people who argue with this, you know, to the death with me, but um, I'm just. For me personally, I don't really get high um, when I take dabs. It's it's a couple of minutes at the beginning, but I've noticed, you know, over the years, I'm not getting high like other people are getting high. Yeah, I'm using this medicinally, yeah. and uh, personally, I don't want to have a two thousand pound press in my house to uh, to to you know make make dabs. But you know, whatever to each his own. I think it's it's cool. Solventless is really cool. There's other kinds of solventless coming out, like the molecular hash oil, the clear as people call it. I'm I kinda like the MHL. But uh I've been working with a company called Hope Extracts and they've been making that. And we're making like meds, like medicine. You know, you can have your high THC whatever and we can make ninety five percent THC oil that's solventless. It's been distilled multiple times. But we we've also been making stuff that's like fifty forty percent C B C or C B G. Mm. Things that normally we're not exposed to in that high concentrates, you know. Um really interesting anti anxiety stuff, stuff that'll just knock you out and developing new kind of new kind of ways to find solvent like solventless extracts and it's it's interesting you know it's everybody to each their own there's so yeah. many different ways every time i think that there's not going to be another way to extract cannabis somebody <laughs> extracts cannabis in a new way the uh, uh the 101 for people out there that uh, might be listening that don't know a lot of these terms first of all you got your you know extracts We've got uh, typically the BHO, that's the butane hash oil, where you're mm-hmm. you know, using that as a solvent. Yep. Propane can be used as a solvent, isopropyl alcohol, mm-hmm. carbon dioxide. Yep. The new tech, this rosin press they're talking about. Now, the, 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 the low-rent ghetto version I always heard was you know, the, the hair the that hair shit works. Uh, thing. Hair pre- yeah, the hair press. Uh, yeah, yeah. The flat iron. The flat iron. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So um, what we're talking about with rosin tech is just is hot pressing. Hot plates pressing down on whatever. Canvas. Pressing cannabis, whatever cannabis or, that or be, hash or you know whatever, yeah. um, some cannabis derived product. So the the issue with that too is you're going to get lots of fats and lipids. Everything that I make is de-waxed, you know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have those fats and lipids in it, which you know helps your throat doesn't doesn't burn your throat as bad, doesn't get your bong as dirty, you know. So. It's interesting, you know, uh, again, to each their own, like with, I've seen rosin that's, you know, um, been, been washed in iso alcohol and de-waxed and pulled off all the fats and that's beautiful. It's amazing. Mm. Um, but, uh, the way that I'm doing my extraction is very, very cold. I'm getting lots of terpene retention, uh, lots of those flavors. Terpenes are the flavor that you get from the oil. Yeah. So, and I'm getting really, really high THC and I'm de-waxing all it. you know, I feel like. 
I personally feel like my medicine is cleaner than the rosin that most people are going to step on a <laughs> step on a hair straightener, you know. But uh, you know, um, there on the other hand, there is oil out there and BHO out there that's filthy as hell, and yeah, just garbage. Even on the shelves right now, there's no there's no residual solvent testing required in Oregon or Washington. You can make dirty meds. I can make oil that's not purged of its butane and put it out on shelves. No problem. Jeez. I mean, I've I've bought. Uh, I had some of my equipment stolen this year, and I went without qu- equipment for eight months. And I mean, you know me. If I'm not making oil for eight months, I'm yeah. going crazy. Yeah. So I was out buying oil, and the only oil that I really liked was forty, fifty, sixty dollars a gram. And I've bought fifty dollars grams since I've gotten new equipment and started up again, and put it in my ovens, and it's. Full of butane. Jeez. Um, so you know, there's no, there's no real, you know, oversight as so why, far as this goes. Why, why stick with the ANES and not the carbon dioxide? Carbon dioxide, like CO two, is selective for butane. Is selective for a lot of different things. Butane selective for terpenes, for for THC, for CBD, CBC, CBG. Um, CO2 is selective for things that I don't want in my cannabis, including fats, mostly, pesticides, uh, various, you know, fertilizers, things like that. Okay. Um, Those will be sometimes heavy in CO2. I've ran a CO2 machine. I've, uh, I've worked with some people who have bought them. And, you know, in my experience, uh, if you, you know, I, I, I say this as nicely as possible. If you have a CO2 machine, you are a, rich fucking moron and uh good job with all due wasting, respect yeah with all due respect good job wasting your money you fucktard um uh i honestly um i i've smoked co2 i i i don't really mean that there's there's co2 oil out there that's good um but the majority of it that i've had i do not like and i it feels wrong to put in my body. And also, you know, most of that stuff comes in pens, some Chinese pen. I've worked with these millionaires lately, um, this new money in yes. cannabis. The suits. And, uh, the suits, so to speak. And they want to spend $5 to get a pen out on the market. And I and when I say they want to spend $5, that means they want to cut the oil with propylene glycol or, or veggie glycol. And they want five dollars invested into that product, and then they want to sell it for fifty. That's not my game, and I can tell all OMP patients that I'm here to stop that bullshit, and I will call that out when I see it. You know, um, I've in the la- in the last years that um, I've been away from this show, I've worked for three people that um, have had multiple millions of dollars invested in marijuana. Um, all three of them were fucking idiots <laughs> and didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And um, they generally, you know, great, whatever. You're growing greenhouse weed indoors. Good job. <laughs> you know, but uh, um, you're going to see the market flooded with all kinds of bad oil and bad weed before it gets good again. And that's one of the things I didn't foresee when I was working with you and working towards legalization is that, Quality is going to go down a lot, and the price is going to go up right. um, before it mellows back out again. Right. I've sold a lot of oil that you and I smoked years ago that's you know, better now. My, my, my methods are better now, and I'm making better oil, but the price is going down. Um, I've sold 
I've sold ounces of oil for five hundred and sixty dollars, which is like twenty dollars a gram. Yeah, unfucking heard of. <clears throat> when you and I were doing the radio yeah. show, yeah, it was forty dollars a gram all day. Yes, sometimes fifty. Yeah, um, and now you know we're working in real business. We're selling wholesale. Um, I you know my my stuff goes for twenty five dollars a gram wholesale and sells for 50 so the dispensaries you know are making a ton of money they're cleaning up just as much as the farmers or you know the producers or anything like that you were talking earlier in the last hour too about all these steps that things have to go through yeah well you missed one um one of those is a distributor yes distributor licenses are new and they're a new thing and i've kind of come encounter with almost accidentally being a distributor by putting a newsletter together or, or something like that you know um and it's it's just it's really interesting how much it's going to change, because there I you know what if I work for a recreational uh, facility and they give me their trim, now suddenly that was garbage a minute ago, now suddenly I turn it into oil and it's medical. How do I account for where I got my trim? You know, uh, it's it's going to be really interesting. And I know right now that in Washington, all day oil is going for nine hundred dollars, seven hundred to nine hundred dollars an ounce. Um, and that's because it's hard to find in dispensaries that's good, and it's easy to get on the street. Yes, so, indeed. Congratulations. <laughs> oh. Hey, bud. Let's party. <laughs> that sound means that it's 420 here. Dab time. Dab time. We're going to do a 710 early, and uh, I'll struggle to form sentences after this. You're listening to the Russ Belvel Show, Toker Talk Radio. Ganja John is live in the studio. Be checking out the chat room for more questions and comments when we return. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically... Imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. 
Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour, and we have most properly damaged here. Ganja John is in the studio. What was that? What is it that we had just dabbed? Uh, Eileen, what was that? Power Wreck. Power Wreck. Power Wreck. I recently did a mix of Power Wreck and Crazy Train, which we're calling Kardashian. <laughs> which will, because uh, it's a crazy train wreck. That's right. And uh, it'll be out in dispensaries in Portland starting tomorrow. All right. Yeah. Um, so we have some breaking news that this is the first the uh, public will be hearing about this. Yeah. Having to do with the continued I'll, I'll, the continued ascendancy of the Ganja the John Star. The continued Belleville bump. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> If, if only I could bump myself, although I, I do bump myself every night. I still, yeah. <laughs> the Belleville bump, I, we were talking about this on Facebook the other day. The Belleville bump has still not made me much money, if at all. <laughs> but, uh, but That's my, two of us, My man. bills are kind of paid. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I'm really supposed to talk about this, but whatever. It's internet radio. Um, I'm going to be on an episode of Vice, it sounds like, of their show Bong Appetit. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be doing a Portland episode. So uh, one of our former peers at High Times, who now works for Vice, contacted me about it. We're going to make some BHO and make some food with it, and uh, then we're going to do a comedy show. So um, <laughs> if you're in town on March 12th, there will be a comedy show at Northwest Cannabis Club. And, March 12th. Uh, I can stay that long. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'll think, stay an uh, extra couple of days. I was supposed to be flying out here March 10th, but yeah, maybe, I'll stay till the know, 12th. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting, interesting ride. I don't know how it's going to go, but I kind of set up a shooting schedule and it's weird. I mean, I, uh, I often, you know, uh, delving into cannabis business and PR and all this stuff. I really don't know what I'm doing. And <laughs> I'm just <laughs> pretending, but everything I learned, I learned from Russ. So. Oh, this as wonderful he says these things, but you got to understand, Gaja John uh, got plenty of mojo on his own. It's through you that I met, you know, Brian Posehn, Ron mm -hmm. Funches, uh, 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 Benson, Benson, um, <laughs> Keckler, yeah, yeah, lots of cool guys. Yeah, we've had fun. We've had a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we got some questions coming in from the chat room. Um, let's see, Michael. Michael Hughes wants to know, do you have an opinion on the best way to extract hemp flower for CBD? Some say CO2, some say BHO. Then there's the distillation. Well, yeah. I mean, um, when you do a distillate, you have to do an extraction in one way or another anyways. Um, it depends on what you want. I mean, with CBD, you might I, – I, I'm just kind of starting to experiment with this, but you might want to you know, soak it in alcohol and distill that – or do BHO or CO2, I'm not really sure. In my experience, if somebody gave me hemp flowers, I would make BHO and then have that tested, see what it tested like, 
and then maybe further uh, distill that, you know, into into another product, more pure product. You know, this is something I don't think the hemp people saw coming. Is that no. you know we've always distinguished it that well. Cannabis is, you know, above 0.3 THC and hemp is below 0.3 THC and nobody would want that for a drug. They'll use right. it to build houses and make shirts. But then right. they found this CBD was prevalent in hemp. Mm-hmm. So if we're doing the distillations, if we're doing these extracts, does it matter if we're getting CBD from hemp or from cannabis? I mean, it depends on, you know, if you want low THC meds, the way to do it would be would be hemp. Would be hemp. Um, uh, you know, personally, I... I don't want hemp growing in my neighborhood, but, uh, um, but you know, honestly, there's, uh, there's some, there's some good, there's some good medicine there for, for CBD. I mean, I personally think that when I smoke, smoke a CBD heavy, anything, I feel high. Um, I, I know that people say, oh, CBD doesn't get you high, but, uh, makes me feel funny. Um, <laughs> uh, and I imagine the same thing with, uh, with hemp oil, but yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting, you know, the yields might be higher with CO2, but ultimately, um, I would use, I would do BHO and, uh, see how it came out. You can, you know, are the, the butane extraction that I'm doing is not new. It's something that's been done for a long, long time. Um, not with just cannabis. Uh, and now, I mean, it's, you know, CBD is legal. You can buy CBD yeah. on Amazon right now. Um, there's other legal cannabis-derived products that are coming out of, from Colorado, like terpenes. You can buy pure terpenes. They're incredibly expensive. They're uh, $100 for 10 drops. Wow. Um, but you can buy specific terpenes. You like jack hair, you can buy jack hair. Um, and you can literally dab those things. Uh, a lot of people are buying the terpenes and putting them on rosin to make rosin taste a little bit better. Um, so and I, I've actually done it like when I've been around friends who collect terpenes, I haven't been doing a lot of it lately, but uh, I've been kind of experimenting and trying it. Um, just fill a pipette full of terpenes and just pour it on a slab. And uh, it really, really will blow your mind. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. We've got a question from Roland Reverend. He says, if you're sold on BHO extraction, what are you using for solvent recovery? Uh, I use a TRS-21 for solvent recovery. And I've actually like I, I've actually been experimenting with new ways for solvent recovery. Um, what he's talking about is when you do your extraction, all the solvent that you used, you can recover back into your solvent tank and reuse it. You use it again. Um, so I, we've actually developed some different ways of getting more butane that's turned to vapor out of the, out of the marijuana, out of the material after we've run it. So like we're only losing like six ounces of butane a day instead of like 16 pounds, Mm. um, which is, is pretty crazy. It's made our butane costs go way down. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get like an email about that and ask how I did it, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> so uh, you keep saying we, and we're doing this, and you got this great package that you showed me. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, the commercial ventures of Ganja John? Um, I don't know how, you know, I, I, I want to be able to supply to medical dispensaries as long as I can. And um, as far as me making oil that costs $50 a gram in dispensaries, I'm patient, and I understand that's really expensive. 
um, but it's just the way that the uh, the market's moving right now. I really want to be able to put more oil out in dispensaries that is cheaper. Um, we have some stuff that Kardashian's going to be a little bit cheaper. And we have more stuff coming out. I keep saying we because I work with a lot of different farms. and I'm independent, though. I don't. I don't have my own grow. I only take all of my all of my weed on contract. I'm not a rich man. I uh, I I made two hundred dollars last month. So uh, you know after after expenses, two hundred dollars in profit. So it's it's a it's it's something that I do out of passion, you know. And if it goes commercial and oil starts being eighty dollars a gram, I mean that's the way I'm going to go. But I'm going to I'm going to work as hard as I can to provide to medical patients. I still give out free meds all the goddamn time. And I'm, you know, I I'm just I'm kind of riding by the seat of my pants. In the last couple of years, I like I said I've worked for three different companies that were multi-million dollar companies. Um one of those relationships ended in less than 48 hours. Another one ended in less than 5 days. Um most of I I you know, the last Five years and the years before that, you and I were on this show. Marijuana was going through growing pains. It's still going through growing pains. And um, I'm still dealing with it. Like I said, I got my equipment stolen. I worry about that all the time. Um, I, you know, I've, I moved into a warehouse and I was spending $4,000 a month on a warehouse, or $2,000 a month. It was shared. But I mean, total, my rent for the month was about $4,000 a month with my house and my you know, and my shop. And this is all because my house, I used to run out of my house, but the laws changed. Yeah. I'm close to a school. That's a mandatory minimum 20 years in prison. That's no fun. Not okay with that. So I, I have to, I have to move. I am a small mom and pop, you know, it's just pop, but we got a new mom now. But, uh, (laughs) um, you know, I've, I've given up a lot to, to cannabis. I've given up a, a wife and some of my family and, blood sweat and tears but honestly i i was telling um some friends this last night uh i every time i do a run i'm giving a part of my body and uh, you know i one kidney one eye I, i'm on tons of drugs i wake up every morning and vomit i it's it's tough it's hard to do what i'm doing and so i i want people to know every time they take a dab of my oil that they're getting a part of me with it as hoity-toity and fucking weird as that sounds but uh um <laughs> it sounds like uh angering the cooks at the chinese restaurant absolutely. you never know what you're going to get absolutely right? <laughs> and it's it's it all it i hate it i honestly i don't like i don't like being ganja john i don't like making hash oil but when i pour it out and that beautiful yellow syrup comes out that i know is going to make me feel better it makes it all worth it. It makes it all absolutely worth it. So I'm super excited to just be back in dispensaries again. Like I had some bad experiences with that. And uh, now I, you know, I, from learning from being on the show, I'm learning marketing obviously and starting again and people are clamoring to get my oil and it's because I, oh, yeah. I fucking work <laughs> hard to make it good. Look, so, I, you know. I do dabs all, literally all across the country yeah. and you know, this is the best dab I'll have yeah. <laughs> all year, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're you know we're close. I'm 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 gonna be on this show more often. I'm getting more time now where Fantastic. it's not all crazy. Everything's nuts, but um, 
everything's starting to get a lot better. Well, as much as, as much as this is turning toward extraction and, you know, you brought up that thing, uh, and, and we'll have to take a break here in a couple minutes, but you brought up that point about the extraction of the terpenes. And I was discussing this with someone the other day on the show about how under prohibition and everyone is growing for flour, the Mm -hmm. goal was THC. Now with extraction, you can get as much THC as you want. Just keep extracting and right. you know, get to whatever level you want. The real goal now is to go for the flavors and the and the smells and all the different consumer pleasures that you right. want from right. the product. And, yeah, and extraction is driving that on the on the breeding side now. Right. And you know when you and I started, it was all about shatter oil yeah. that broke apart into millions of pieces. People don't really want that anymore because. Mm. Generally, stuff like that has been tempered really high, and it's kind of devoid of terpenes. Well, not only that, when you try to pick a little off, and it flicks right in your eye. Oh, you fucker. (laughs) I've actually stuck oil to my actual eye a few times. I know that game. Yeah. (laughs) We're hanging out here with Ganja John, uh, longtime friend of the show, and... uh, one of the top uh, extract artists on the planet. And if you've got any questions, our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. Or just join us in the chat room here on Spreaker. And we got a few people in the chat room. They'll help you out. We'd love to answer your questions and let you know more about what's going on in the amazing 710 world. So much changes so fast, I try to keep up with it. But uh, I know there's a lot of laws that have changed as far as production here in the state of Oregon. When we come back, we'll talk about where's the price of Earl headed. We should talk about how BuzzFeed quits, quits, uh, how BuzzFeed keeps narking on us. Yeah, let's let's call out BuzzFeed when we come back. Bastards, too. sons of bitches! <laughs> You're listening to the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Stay tuned. We're back live right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 38 after the hour, hanging out here at Rolla J Studios with Ganja John. Yo! Live in the studio, extract maker extraordinaire, the winner of High Times' first ever Cannabis Cup for Concentrates, and you've won a few more since then, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, Stuffs. here and there, like little things here and there. Although extractor of the year from the weed blog, stuff like that. Yeah. I don't really like, uh, a lot of people ask me to compete and stuff, and I... I kind of be a pompous prick, and I'd be like, I already won an Oscar. What do I want a SAG award for? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. So uh, Michael in our chat room is saying within the next few years, oil will be less than 30 bucks a gram. He's right. He's absolutely right. Um, But right now, Michael, I need to make my money so we can make a machine big enough to make it $30 a gram. Um, I, you know, I've used some of these new machines that are all racked up and they're supposed to be safe and compliant. They're the most dangerous pieces of garbage I've used in ever. But, uh, I, you know, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. It will be $30 a gram. It is $30 a gram in a lot of places right now. Um, I mean, you can go and buy a $30 gram, uh, at most dispensaries in Portland. You can buy a $15 gram. Um, I personally am not going to sell my oil for $7 unless it's $7 a gram oil, you know? Yeah. So it's, it, everything that I'm putting out, out in dispensaries is of the highest quality. I, I try as best I can to put connoisseur grade oil out into the public. If I make something that's not good, it generally goes to, to distill it. And, uh, you know, that stuff's actual medicine and, um, that, that stuff also, you know, it's very easy to add. It's decarboxylized, so it's easy to add into food. You can put it in tea and water, something that's not marijuana soluble, hmm. and uh, drink this stuff, and it's it's really great. We're working on a new edible that's going to be made with, with clear that's uh, called THC Racha, um, a medicated sriracha. <sighs> yeah. After yeah, my own heart. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm all about that. Yeah. Um, we're going to roll that out in the next couple of weeks, and we've worked on all the promotional stuff, and that'll be that'll be really fun because that's not a Ganja John product. That's something that me and my girlfriend are doing together, and and uh, it'll be kind of a collaborative project with D-Nail and D-Nation. So. Excellent. Yeah. Another question from the chat room. Once you to explain the difference between a BHO and an alcohol extraction, is one better than the other? And... The type of alcohol is it iso or ethanol? Um, you can do both. Uh, the a lot of the time the distillate that's made will be made with uh, with will be made with butane and then purged with ethanol, um, and then put into a rotovap and that ethanol is then purged out. So it's it's uh, depending on what your end game is. I I personally don't most alcohol washed. Um, 
uh, extracts that I've had in the past tasted like alcohol. Um, there's, you know, a little bit left. Most people are using the 99% alcohol that they buy at Safeway, which isn't actually even legal in, uh, in a lot of, a lot of states. I don't think you can get it in California. I think you can only go up to 91%. So there's impurities used. When you use alcohol, you have to use a quick, quick wash. They call it Quiso, quick wash ISO. Hmm. Um, so you usually have to do it really quick with butane. I'm doing stuff really, really cold. So stuff like my materials soaked for up to 30 minutes, um, to pull as many cannabinoids as I can. Um, I've, the one I gave you, the Terminator Kush, is high in CBG, and it's because it's a live plant and because of how long I soaked it, hmm. trying to trying to pull different things um, rather than just THC and CBD. Yeah, we've got uh, a 77% THC, 0.28 CBD, but those CBGs, 3.89. Yeah. And then CBC, 1.23. And, and we're only now starting to hear what CBG and CBC uh, are useful for mm-hmm. yeah it's it's interesting like isolating you know the my the people i'm working with who are working in the lab isolating these things and trying to break down cannabis for all of its parts individually so uh you can take it apart and put it back together and you know that that includes the terpenes um <laughs> you know so eventually um those 30 dollar grams won't only be 30 dollars, but they'll be tailored to what you want um you can buy sleepy time or you can hmm. buy awake time or you can buy i gotta deal with my stepmom oil you know um and and even so you can buy oil now that's flavored with non-cannabis terpenes i saw a root beer flavored one hmm. the other day i don't know that i'd mess with that but, uh, you know uh you, you you've seen those uh new coke machines with the touch screens yeah, yeah. you can put all the flavors in it mm-hmm. someday someday man someday. indica sativa yeah. hybrid yeah. Bing, you know, <laughs> pinene, limonene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that, ordering a Subway. Yeah, and uh, I have, you know, some friends who have ordered, you know, regent grade, really high lab grade terpenes that are derived from other plants but are present in cannabis. Right. Um, and you can make your own mixes. And we've, I mean, I've dabbed this stuff by itself, and it's uh, quite potent. Um, mm. There's uh, myrcene. Uh, if you get myrcene, you open up a bottle of it. It's like, well, that's that dank smell that that's present in most skunks or, you know, uh, older chemi stuff. It's it's pretty interesting. You open the bottle and you're like, that kind of smells like weed yeah. or one of the undertones of weed. So um, it's interesting. And then like Blue Blue River Company, uh, Blue River is doing terpenes online. You know, you can buy lemon skunk or Yoda or purple hindu kush whatever huh. you want that's it's really interesting i i i don't know where cannabis is going because it always takes kind of a left turn when i think it's going to go right and uh I, it's really interesting that most of you know the stuff is moving into the lab and people are using short path distillers and roto roto evaporators and chillers and all these things i'm buying things that i never thought i would ever buy I would, what do I need a negative 30 Celsius freezer for? Well, I actually <laughs> really fucking need that, like, right now. <laughs> a negative 30 Celsius freezer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I was just, you know, I do these expos and, yeah. all around the country, and I get to inter- interview these vendors for things like HVAC systems mm-hmm. and the vacuum purge ovens yep. and a bunch of other industries where I ask them, you know, uh, this was, the weed world wasn't what you primarily made your machines for, right? Right. Right. We right. made it for some other thing. We did this this so tell me has the weed world 
helped your bottom line. We're doing tenfold business, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. There, it's just that that green rush and that that explosion that's oh, happening yeah. for the non the you know, folks who are people. in the in the pick and shovel business. Uh, one that comes to mind is Jair Gavita, the guy who owns Gavita Lights. Yeah, um, that guy, man. I mean, they were they were making stuff for horticulture for for tomatoes, and then all of these people suddenly got onto these Gavita Lights. Everybody wants them because they're amazing machines. And I, I know people who are buying pallets of these damn lights. Hmm. And, you know, you're friends with Jair on Facebook, and he's just, like, traveling the world buying Teslas. <laughs> you know, there's some of the folks in the pick and shovel business I know personally, like, our, our extractors that we use are made from parts that are for making beer. So I can walk into a company called, like, a beer company. There's one in Vancouver, Glacier Takes. And I can build a closed-loop mas- machine just off the shelf, you know, um, those beer companies, when they see me walk in, they know immediately, Oh, you need, you need this gasket for butane. Oh, uh, <laughs> I guess you know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's their, their, uh, their model has completely changed, you know, selling to small breweries. And now Everybody has a closed loop machine. I can't find parchment paper in any store in this goddamn town. Uh huh. You can't find it anywhere. Gloves can't find them anywhere. Uh, there various things. Someone in the chat room was saying you can never find the 90 percent uh, isopropyl alcohol nope. anywhere anymore. <laughs> nope. You can't. Like we tried to buy some alcohol at Walmart the other night. None. It was completely pulled off the shelves. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't find ISO. You can't dry ice. That's something people don't realize that. Um, is in a lot of stores, and I've gone in personally when it because I know when they get delivered all around town. I know <laughs> just in case I run out from my delivery, I have to know because I can't work without dry ice. So I've personally bought 150 pounds out of one of those coolers, and they're like, "What? That's all of it?" And I go, "I know. I'm gonna <laughs> use it all tonight. I know." <laughs> now, what, what is the dry ice being used for? Dry ice is used to de-wax hash oil and bring everything down to a lower temperature. And I'm working on um, with my friends at D-Nano on getting things, getting lab equipment that I wouldn't need that for. So we could chill glycol, you know, and have a glycol chiller that would bring stuff down to that level. But yeah, I go through, um, in the last two months, gone through 2,000 pounds of dry ice. Wow. Yeah. At uh, sixty cents a pound, seventy cents a pound. Rev says, "Get your parchment paper on Amazon." <laughs> yeah, um, the thing about parchment paper, man, is it's it's specific. I have a specific need for parchment paper. I bought a thousand sheets of pan liners the other day. Garbage. They're going in the trash. Um, they are too thin, you know, or or something's wrong with them. Uh, Reynolds just started coming out with heat pressed parchment that has little like. Um, crosses on it mm-hmm. for like measuring the size of a cookie or something like sure. that it's done with heat it's not done with ink but there's a thing called when you have your oil wrapped up it's and you pull it off it it creates that texture on your oil so you have all these crosses on your oil <laughs> makes it look like a gucci bag or something <laughs> um but yeah it's it's you know there's well specific... maybe they could, they could come up with a custom you know oh, layout gosh. for your logo oh yeah absolutely they absolutely could that's a great idea <laughs> um but like costco i can't buy parchment paper at costco that's my favorite parchment paper and i've been in three costcos in the last month and they're always out out of stock online, out of stock online even wow yeah. so 
Um, these ancillary businesses, um, a good another good example like Revlon has no fucking clue why they just sold a bunch of straight straight uh, uh, flat irons. Yeah, they have no idea why. Yeah, they know why. And there's um, the Chinese company that makes them figured it out. Yeah, the Chinese company that makes Revlon started repackaging them and calling them Dablon. <laughs> so like, if you go to the you know the uh, the glass district in L.A., you'll find thousands of Dablon hair straighteners. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, again, if you're going to uh, press rosin in a, in a state that starts with an I or a K, yeah, you know that's probably the best best option for you. Some of those states, Absolutely. immediate felony for any possession. I was just writing the other day, uh, North Dakota felony for ingest or misdemeanor for ingesting mm-hmm. uh, extract, just yeah. ingesting it. Yeah, I mean people people have to be careful. Um, I had a friend go to go to Houston and go and pick up a bag of weed and rolled up a joint, started smoking his car. He went, "Oh shit, I'm in Texas." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Not in Oregon anymore. Re- reinstall red state protocols. Yeah. Man. No doubt about that. We've had some close calls. And uh, as we go off to break here, we're going to, uh, I'm going to open this subject up as we go to break. Uh, Michael mentioning between uh, Radical Russ and Ganja John, I bet there's a ton of stories about the shadiness in this industry. Oh, dude. <laughs> like, we could have I a, could name we could names. Have a competition. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been fucked worse than you. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Let me tell you something, mister. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll close the show up. And uh, thanks for listening. It's here on CannabisRadio.com. I'm Radical Russ, the Russ Belville Show. He's Ganja John. We're hanging out and chilling and doing more dabs because it's Oregon and we can. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back right after this. Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. first 2015 adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in Oregon immediately over 400,000 adults who consume cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals this is what freedom sounds like brought to you by Portland North 
Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Closing shop here at the Rush Belleville Show, hanging out with Ganja John and reminding you, tomorrow we've got special guests on our show, attorney Joseph Tully and medical marijuana grower Aaron O'Neill. They're going to trial in California, and we're going to learn all about their case and what's happening with it. So learn about your justice system, your injustice system, on tomorrow's show, 3 o'clock Pacific time, right here on CannabisRadio.com. All right, so as we close things up with Ganja John here, we've got uh, recreational legalization getting licensed. They're going to start doing licensing for extractors and all of that. Right. Medical's kind of been doing it and kind of trying to retro tailor it to what's going on with recreational. Mm-hmm. What's coming as far as these regulations go? How does it affect you and what are they doing wrong? <sighs> They're doing a lot wrong. Um, there's, but it changes day to day. So yeah. it's hard. It's hard to pinpoint down, you know, what's being done wrong. If there's going to be a milligram limit, you know, the, the oil that we were just smoking during the break, 77% THC, 770 milligrams of, of THC. Um, if it's limited to 250, then I have to get into some really weird measurements with how much oil I can sell somebody, um, how much oil that I can actually package. And that's going to change. Our Kardashian's 55%. Um, <clears throat> and it's, you know, much higher percent CBD. Does that, is it based on total cannab- cannabinol content? You know, it's, it's really interesting. It's interesting how it's going to change personally. I make cash oil. When people ask me to do other things, I kind of tune out. Um, one of those things is legal paperwork. And so I've always tried to align myself with somebody who's going to take care of that for me. I have a lot of talent. I personally don't even want to be making cash oil anymore. I'd like to, you know, I'm currently working with a team of people who make cash oil with me. That's not to say I don't get my hands dirty, but I'm not, I'm not filling the tubes anymore. I'm not emptying the tubes anymore. I'm just making my oil. I'm, you know, doing the finesse that needs to be You want done. to be the Dale Chaluli. Exactly. <laughs> of one-eyed, one-eyed, loves whores, just, just like him. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's an obscure reference for those of you out there that he's the acclaimed glass artist who he designs the glass now. He doesn't actually blow the shape does. and do all that stuff. And he, he, lost his, he lost his eye in a car wreck with a whore. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten that part. <laughs> yeah, also one eyed. I've actually, one of the adventures that I've done since, uh, you know, we were last on the show is uh, I've blown some glass. I've actually made a couple of rigs myself, and a lot of people told me every time I wanted to quit that Dale Chaluli 
was able to blow glass. And I was like, not really. He lost his eye and quit blowing glass. <laughs> um, and I ended up injuring myself pretty badly. Got a stringer across all four of my fingers on my left hand. Ow. And it didn't heal for like six months. So I couldn't make hash for a lot of that time or I had to have a lot of help. So it was like, uh, I can't really do this. It gets in the way of my bottom line. You know, I'm on, <laughs> I'm on immunosuppressants. So like if I get injured, it takes a long time for me to heal. So, sure. um, but yeah, that was, you know, interesting, interesting thing to do. But yeah, I, it's, um, it's interesting how, how it's going to change. I, I work with farms who want to get processors licenses and most people who are going through the licensing process right now for growing would be stupid to not in addition, get a processor's license. Yeah. Um, I've also been approached by people who are getting their commercial license and they'll ask me to do things like, uh, can you design our lab for us? And it's like, yeah, are you, you know, you're going to hire me to make all your oil. Yeah, we'll do that. Can I get it on paper? No. (laughs) Oh, you want me to do a hundred thousand dollars worth of design work for you for free? There's a lot of that. There's marijuana industry suffers greatly from be cool, bro. Be cool, bro. It's really unfortunate. But you know what? I'm going to make that stop. Right on. <laughs> well, Roland Reverend in the chat room says, thank you for having Ganj John on. This has back. been like visiting with an old friend. Yeah, I really miss you guys. Like, I, it, It's interesting how quickly I fell back into this role. I really yeah. I miss doing this. And maybe we'll make it a regular thing. We could have our... Uh, Dab Thursday with Ganja yeah. John. I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll come up with a clever name. Something, something out. I miss <laughs> hanging out with you guys. I miss hanging out with Russ. I'll be back. We'll do some more. All right. But that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us here. And join us tomorrow live from Fort Worth, Texas. I'll be attending the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. And who knows? I might have a Donald Trump clip for you. He's appearing at the same building we're at the day before. So uh, try and steal his wig. I'll see what I can do. For everyone here, for Ganja John and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. Take a seat, you're planning, you're growing, you're trying, you're rolling, you're smoking. You take a seat, you're planning, you're You're trying to ruin it, you're smoking. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you're trying to ruin it, you're smoking.